Welcome to ContraCast, pop culture news, commentary, and interviews from a unique, honest, and fun perspective. I'm your host, Christopher Lawrence. Welcome to episode four of ContraCast. Today, what I want to do is read an interview to you, with you, blind. This is an interview with comic book legend Mike Barron, uh, and it was done for something called FrontPageMag.com. I was not familiar with this before, but I I came across this interview. I'm always looking at comics news to talk about. And it's an interview with someone named uh, Mark Tapson about Mike Barron's new book, Thin Blue Line, uh, a pro-law enforcement book. And this says, Mark Tapson is the showman fellow on popular culture for the David Horowitz Freedom Center. I don't know what that means, but it sounds prestigious. So he, he has a little preamble before the interview, so I'll read through that first. So he says, thanks to the political and cultural dominance of the neo-Marxist left, outright war is being waged on American law enforcement today. So I want before actually we get into this, I just want to say, like, I think there's a lot of nuance to these areas. I don't, obviously, I don't like the left's idea that all cops are bad cops uh, or whatever the stupid slogan is. You know, it's ridiculous. It's clearly not true. Any statement that starts with or bases itself on a phrase, all blank are bad, or all blank are good, is usually ridiculous. It's a lot of hyperbole. Uh, can't be proven. Um, and ask anybody that's ever been assisted by a police officer, including myself very recently, that will tell you that there's no way that all cops are bad. But the flip side of that, then, is all cops can't be good. Well, of course they're not. There are such a tremendous amount of police officers at work in the United States today. How could they possibly all be good? So I don't like this take from either side. I, I, I understand that the right's reaction to defund the police has been to go extremely opposite direction, that all police are, are worthy of defense. They're all upstanding. Uh, they're all only out to serve and protect. Oh, well, you know, that's not true. I mean, we know that's not true. There are bad cops. I mean, I'm originally from New York. I've seen and interacted with some really bad cops. But I also have family that were in law enforcement in New York City when it was rough to do that job. And they were good. They were good men. And they wanted to serve and protect. But I, I, I think that taking the extreme position on either side, first of all, it's not helpful. Um, it just, it's a way of being contrarian to the narrative that the other side is trying to put out. I, I understand that. I understand fighting back, but we have to fight back with the truth. I mean, we can't be extremists in our views either. So I just want to put that out there up front. If, if that makes you want to turn this off because I don't believe that every single cop is a wonderful cop. Okay. That's, that's, that's fine. But I have a hard, you'd have a hard time making the case that, that they're all good. At the same time, certainly they're not all bad. Certainly not. The majority really do want to help. Um, for every police officer that either joins the force because they see an attempt to throw their weight around and exert authority that maybe they didn't have elsewhere in their life, or maybe that's just their personality type, there are hundreds that sincerely just want to help people. So keep all that in mind as we get into this. I'm going to start again, so... So Mark Tapson says, 
Thanks to the political and cultural dominance of the neo-Marxist left, outright war is being waged on American law enforcement today. Yes, that's true. Democrat leaders have made defunding police departments, which they smear as irredeemably racist, a prominent plank of their party's platform. It's also stupid because there, there are so many black police officers. <laughs> the left doesn't like to tell you that, but there are a lot of them. So uh, uh, the police as an entity cannot be racist. Okay. Anti-cop rhetoric from politicians and leaders of radical movements like Black Lives Matter, disseminated by the complicit news media, has created a lethal environment on the streets where police officers are literally targeted for assassination. Yeah, that happens. Cop-hating communists like former NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick, who is an idiot, that's my editorializing right there, who calls for the abolition of police and has been known to wear socks on the football field depicting officers as pigs, is elevated into a cultural icon, offered lucrative sponsorships and his own show on Netflix, which is one of the propaganda arms of the Communist Party in America also on Netflix. Okay. Enter longtime comic book writer and artist Mike Barron, winner of two Eisner Awards, the comic industry equivalent of the... We know what we know what the Eisner Awards are. <laughs> if you're listening to this, you probably already know what the Eisner Awards are. Along with police officer Joseph Arnold on pencils and layouts and illustrator Jeff Slemons, Barron has created Thin Blue Line, a countercultural police positive graphic novel. See, that's so crazy to me still that being being for <laughs> being for the police is countercultural. It's crazy. It's still crazy to me. Okay. Countercultural police positive graphic novel, which follows Officer Valeria Baca and her partner Bob Mack as they fight for their community and their own survival amid rioting in the streets. Mobs burn down City Hall, forcing the officers to improvise on the run, relying only on their training and wits as the mayor's protestations and eagerness to placate the rioters prove fruitless, reads the description at the project's crowdfunding page. Now, I got to mention one more thing. Another reason that I think it's it's a bad idea to, to paint all police as good also, as opposed to painting them all as bad, is because we know recently, we've seen a lot of officers, unfortunately, buckle under the communist whims of their higher-ups to enforce things like these mask mandates, to patrol for vaccine papers. <laughs> you know, your papers, please. Where have we seen that before? Um, dragging, on in one instance, you know, a pregnant woman out of a, a baseball game because she didn't have a mask on. I mean, these are not good cops, right? <laughs> they don't have to enforce those laws. Uh, so gleefully and with such exuberance, um, I can't get on board with that. I just can't get on board with that. And the ones that also stood aside while businesses and things were being burned and destroyed in the face of these riots, I'm sure they were given the order to stand down. I'm sure they were. But, you know, you, you don't obey unjust laws. You don't obey unjust orders. Either you quit or you do what your job is purportedly supposed to be about serving and protecting. So I, I, I just want to throw that out. There. I mean, you may disagree, but I think the, the proof is in the pudding. Okay. Anyway, so the, the article continues. Barron opted to crowdfund the project after the concept was rejected by major publishers who were repulsed by a storyline that presented cops as heroes rather than villains. As of this writing, Thin Blue Line has earned nearly three times its goal on its Indiegogo page. All the 56 pages for the book are completely penciled and inked, and some are fully colored. Only the remaining colors and letters are left to complete the book and send to the printer. 
Baron hastens to note on the crowdfunding page that Thin Blue Line is not a, quote, police recruitment pamphlet, close quote. The characters are flawed, and the story is never preaching. I'm glad to hear that. Quote, it's just entertaining and exciting and very simply demonstrates that not all heroes are perfect and not all heroes wear capes. Close quote. <laughs> I, I mean, generally, usually, I hate that phrase. It's so trite. But here, for, the, for Baron's purposes, it makes perfect sense. Okay. But they do very often wear blue, despite what the propagandists of the left would have you believe. It is a testament to the creator's respect for law enforcement that a portion of every contribution to the crowdfunding page will be donated to one or more of the following police assistance programs. Adopt-a-Cop BJJ trains officers in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is a fantastic idea. I wish that would be implemented across the United States. Teach these guys Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for, for, for dealing with, for controlling suspects. Yes, yes. Okay. National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund improves officer safety and honors the fallen. And the National Fallen Officer Foundation helps families of officers slain in the line of duty. I asked Mike Barron, this is Mark Tapson again. I asked Mike Barron some questions about Thin Blue Line. So now here we get into the interview. So Mark Tapson asks, comics aren't just for kids anymore like they were when I was a boy. Who exactly is the audience for comics today? And why is this an important arena in the culture war? See, that's something that I, I keep trying to drill into people's heads too. It's very important. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to read Mike Barron's answer in a second. I'm sure it will be at least as enlightening about as anything I'm about to say. But, but I've been, I've been, I've been preaching this for a long time. Comics are so important, and I, and I think one of the things that makes them so easily a tool for subversion of the left is that they're dismissible. A lot of adults hear comic book, and they just either a if their kid wants comics, they'll just send them into the comic store. Or if they don't have a comic store, and you know, into I don't know Barnes and Noble. I think they have spinner racks in Barnes and Noble, or whatever it is, and say, pick, pick out some comics, you know, and they're not going to look at them. And meanwhile, the kid is getting ridiculous SJW leftist trans advocacy, um, communism, and all kinds of garbage shoved in their face through what used to be simple superhero stories, funny books. It's a brilliant tool for indoctrination. Brilliant. I want to see the right side, by which I don't necessarily mean the right. I mean the right side. Uh, in another episode of the show, maybe I'll talk about what I consider to be, you know, absolutes as far as morality is concerned. I'm, I'm Christian. I'm Catholic. But but it's it, it's more than that. You don't have to be Christian or Catholic to, to understand morality and natural law. Um, some things are wrong, some things are right, some things are for for kids, some things are not for kids. Um, but yeah, they're so important because look look at what they're doing, how they've shifted the culture through the use of comic books and and then by extension superhero movies. Incredibly powerful tools in our popular culture for shaping the narrative. Okay, but I want to see what Mr. Mike Barron, the legend, says here. So Mike Barron says, "The audiences are as desperate and fractured as our country." Yep. The audience for Marvel and DC are people who don't read comics. <laughs> yes, that's true. The Marvel and DC books, they're absolutely for people that don't read comics. I don't know how they get away with it. Nobody that actually likes comics wants to read Marvel and DC comics. And the people that they hire to create these Marvel and DC comics don't know anything about comics. Right, continue with what Mike Barron says. So the, the audience for Marvel and DC are people who don't read comics, but fervently believe in the official narrative. 
the audience for independent comics are people who want to become lost in a good story. Yeah, I think he's absolutely right. I, I know some very good independent creators, and they always make sure that they're putting story and entertainment first. Despite their political leanings, their, 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 their religious leanings, their cultural leanings, they always put story first because they understand that that's the purpose. First of all, that's the purpose of comic book for fun. Read for fun. It's not Nietzsche. I mean, you know, it's guys in tights flying around a lot of the time. Or, or, you know, it's always something fantastical to some extent. It should be fun. Um, then you get the message in there. If you want a message in there, subversively wound seamlessly into an entertaining story. Marvel and DC, these big boys don't understand that. It's just like ideology up front of your face, like a baseball bat. And then maybe a story, a garbage story. It's crap because they don't know what they're doing. Okay, anyway. So Mike Brown says, my first goal is to entertain. See, he gets it. The vast bulk of corporate comics make no attempt to engage, amuse, or intrigue the reader because those writers are not interested in entertainment, leaving comic fans adrift, at least to the point where they are abandoning established publishers and embracing independent comics. Yep. Very true. Very true. It's about it's about ideology. It's not about entertainment. It's not about the comic reader. These stables of Marvel and DC, I'm going to use the term talent very, very, very loosely here. These people don't understand comic books. They don't read comic books. They're, they're brought on board because they, they have the right viewpoint. They have the social justice warrior credo in the back of their minds whenever they're writing or drawing anything. Okay. So Mike Brown says, he continues, the audience is out there. If your product is outstanding, and by that I mean a story that grabs you on the first page and doesn't let go, the audience will embrace it. Comics are a visual medium, so it helps to have good art. Yeah, simple. Used to be common sense. When you thought of comic books, you think, okay, uh, and the left hand, a good story. And the right hand, good art. Put them together, good comic. I mean, that used to be the basis for making a comic book. It, it's sad that people have forgotten this, that we need somebody to, to, to tell them, hey, uh, are you making a comic? Okay, well, what you need to do is write a good story. And then you get a good artist to illustrate your good story. Oh, okay. Whoops. I didn't do any of that. Well, yeah. Do you work for Marvel or DC? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, of course you did. Okay. So I'll, um, I'm going to use the initials for these gentlemen going forward. So MT is the interview. He asks, working in the belly of the beast, as it were, of the comics industry, how would you describe how the biz has changed in recent years in terms of the kinds of storytelling and messaging it puts forth? So MB, Mike Barron answers, I have no complaints about working for DC or Marvel. Huh. I can't recall a single incident of editorial interference, but that may be because my goal is to entertain. I don't know if I believe that. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying he's lying. I have no reason to think that he's lying, but no editorial interference on Marvel or DC? Editors like Archie Goodwin and Denny O'Neill worked their way up through the ranks and were engaging writers themselves. They had experience. Oh, that's okay. I have not been conversing with the inner workings of the majors in many years. Okay, now it makes sense. He was working with guys like Goodwin and, and Denny O'Neill. Yeah. And it's been a long time. Those progressive weirdos were not there. So there would have been no reason for these guys to interfere with, with what Barron was doing. He knew what he was doing. These guys knew how to stay out of his hair. They weren't trying to push this agenda. That makes total sense. Now I believe it 100%. So he says, when I do drop in from time to time, as I did with Captain America and Master of Kung Fu, I find no entertainment value. He finds no entertainment value at the big boys. Have you found any entertainment value at the big boys? Are you a comic reader? 
Have you found any entertainment at Marvel or DC? If you have, send me an email, contramundamedia at protonmail.com because you're, you're, you're the lone guy. No one else is finding entertainment there. Okay, the stories are amorphous. This is Mike Brown continuing. The stories are amorphous, confused, propagandistic. It's not the writer's fault. Well, it is the writer's fault. It's the editors who hired them. Yeah, but if the writers weren't writing this stuff, they wouldn't be there for the editors to hire. So uh, I think it's both their fault. Okay, MT asks, tell us about the concept. But yeah, Baron, 100% right here. Th- th- this paragraph sums up so much of, of what is wrong with modern mainstream comic books. The stories are, just this line alone, the stories are amorphous, confused, propagandistic. Yeah, 100%. That's what they are. And in fact, the writers uh, that are writing these comics, I, I, I guarantee you they don't know what uh, any of those words mean. Maybe they know what confused means because they live in a state of perpetual confusion. Okay, MTS. Tell us about the concept and genesis of Thin Blue Line and about your partners on the project, Officer Joseph Arnold and illustrator Jeff Slemons, and what kind of response are you getting, if any, about the idea from anyone in law enforcement? About the idea from anyone in law enforcement. I put the wrong inflection on the wrong syllable. Okay, Mike Brown says, Thin Blue Line is about two police officers trying to survive the night in a riot-torn city. I have always ripped stories from the headlines, as Punisher and Nexus readers can attest. Yes. The reason police, lawyer, and doctor shows have dominated popular entertainment is because those professions deal with life and death, which is the stuff of drama. There are no speeches or lectures in Thin Blue Line. It's pure entertainment. It does have a point of view. Most police join to serve their communities. They put their money where their mouths are by doing good instead of talking about it. This is the second rule of comics, show, don't tell. And that used to be the rule of storytelling in general, that so much of Hollywood and nearly all of the comic industry, the mainstream comics industry, have forgotten. Again, it's another thing that used to be common sense, show, don't tell. Now they don't know how to write. They're so heavy-handed, ham-fisted with their propaganda. It's ridiculous. Okay. So Mike Barron continues, the response has been overwhelming. Law enforcement officers have reached out to me from all over the country. Some are accomplished artists, and we are including their work in the book. That's very cool. One officer brought his family over for dinner. He said his entire department was thrilled and grateful for popular entertainment that did not condemn them as murderers and racists. Yeah, which is ridiculous. The idea that, that, did I say this already, that the police departments in general are racist is so stupid. Because because I did say this, didn't I? Because there's so many black police officers. How do you have a whole system be racist and have um, people of color be included in great numbers in that system? I don't know. This is another more nonsense of the left. Everyone contributed to a bundle, which he presented to me, containing a flag signed by every member of the department. Ride-along coins, patches, and other items. That's cool. I have known Joe Arnold since long before he became a cop. Joe was always drawing, and we talked about working together. When I conceived this project, I thought of Joe first. Inked by Jeff Lemons, himself a great artist, the results will knock you out. Now, MTS, surely there is an underserved audience out there, hungry for stories about the traditional good guys, the men and women in blue, and surely publishers would be open to catering to that audience. Okay, I want to I wanna talk about this a little bit because that's 100% true. There is an audience out there that are hungry for stories about the traditional good guys, even outside of police officers. They don't have to be police officers. But somewhere along the line, 60s, definitely into the 70s, this notion of moral ambiguity, of gray areas, and of anti-heroes became very prevalent and enticing to places like Hollywood and, and eventually through trickle-down, the comic book industry. I don't find it compelling. I don't find gray areas 
and moral ambiguity very compelling. I find it easy and lazy to write. You don't have to have any answers. You don't have to have characters with real moral standpoints. You don't have to understand evil and write characters who embody that to some extent. I think the classic good versus evil is the most compelling thing. I'm not saying there isn't nuance and gray areas in life. Of course there are. But human nature being what it is, we understand good and evil. We do. We might not want to acknowledge it all the time, but we understand it. Even a lot of these um, so-called gray area issues, they they fall on an alignment which is inclined to one side more than the other, to the good or to the evil, um, to things that are in line with morality, whatever type of morality you hold to, um, which I, again, I think is not uh, subjective, but that's, that's another show. Um, but we, we, we know it deep down that there's no such thing as, as, a, as a purely neutral act. Um, not really. There, there, there isn't. And I think that, that films and books and comics that explore this reality, that acknowledge that there's good and evil, are much more compelling than any anti-hero, any uh, morally ambiguous, amorphous, vacuous kind of um, morality-free nonsense or stuff that wants to espouse evil for good, dark for light, blah, 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 blah. It's not interesting. It's lazy. It's not brave. It's chicken stuff. All right, so let's let's go on. So uh, MT says, surely publishers would be open to catering to that audience, or would they? What happened when you approached major publishers about the idea for Thin Blue Line? So Mike Barron answers, as I mentioned above, the major publishers are not interested in entertainment. <laughs> yep. They're interested in indoctrination and the narrative. We all know what the narrative means. You see it every night on CBS, NBC, MSNBC, CNN, NPR, et al. Gotta throw in there Fox News. Sorry. Gotta say it. I'll just slide them in there too. Same thing. If you, It might be a different narrative, but it's, it's a narrative. If you deviate from the narrative, no soup for you, he says. We submitted Thin Blue Line to every major publisher. No one was interested. This doesn't surprise me. Some of the responses were vicious and obscene. Also doesn't surprise me. That's one thing that the left is also um, well-versed in is, is obscenity and vulgarity. I mean, it's evident in their comedy, their, their quote-unquote comedy. Um, when I talk about comedy in a future episode of the show, we'll really get into it. But, you know, I know that so many of these quote-unquote comics these days, they feel like just slinging vulgarity around nonstop is like, you know, that's funny, man. That's brave. That's brilliant. No, that's stupid. Where's the joke? It's not a joke. Just saying bad words is not a joke. It's not writing a joke. I'm not gonna get off on a whole comedy tangent now, too. But yeah, they're they're very they're very, they're very vulgar. I, I I mean I'm I, I'm not um I'm not puritanical, but uh, you know there's a place for emphasis for this language. But with these people, it's like every other word. There, there, there's more f bombs than there are other words in their sentences. You can see it like on Twitter and everything, all the time. So MT asks, is there any avenue in this field for conservative-minded content creators to get their work out to a wider audience, or do the woke major publishers have it locked up? This is a great question. I love this question. So Baron answers, crowdfunding. A group of disgusted professionals, many of whom worked for the big two, broke away. They did not name themselves Comicscape. Comicscape was thrust on them in derision by the sniggering upholders of the narrative. Comicscape people seek to entertain. Their projects are taking off like rockets. Yeah, that's true. 
any anyone involved in so-called Comicsgate that I know, they really want to entertain. Even the, the very polarizing figure of Ethan Van Syver, who uh, I, I try to ignore <laughs> as much as possible. Um, but I think even he and his uh, weird polarizing, um, often venomous kind of way thinks he's entertaining, even with this persona that he's adopted. I think he wants to be entertaining. Um, a lot of people are buying are buying into it and, and biting. Um, I, I think there are missteps there, but again, that's another show. Um, but yeah, I think that in general, these people, because these are people that, that, that either stopped working with the major publishers or never even considered it because they see that, that the big boys are not interested in entertainment and, and these guys are. They want to just entertain. They want to make books that are fun. Okay, so Mike Barron continues. Oh, here we go. Ethan Van Syver hosts a Comicsgate get-together on YouTube every Monday night featuring many of these creators. Graham Nolan, who created the Batman villain Bane, along with writer Chuck Dixon. Yeah, if you're not... I really like Chuck Dixon's YouTube. He does... It's like a podcast format. It's called Ask Chuck Dixon. It's really good. The, the view counts on it are way lower than they should be. Um, they're not as low as they will be for this show. But they're low considering that it's Chuck Dixon, um, who is a legend. And it's, it's really entertaining. He answers all kinds of questions about comic comic books, the comic book industry, the creative process, not, not and, and not just his work, but but the comics in general. And he also does um, an uh, ancillary show, a, a sideshow uh, called What Should You Watching, where he talks about what he's currently watching, movies, TV shows, things like that. Re- really cool, interesting stuff. Um, so if you're not already listening to, to that on Chuck Dixon's YouTube, you should be. Um, ask Chuck Dixon. Okay. Art Thibert, Aaron Lopresti, Andy Smith, and many others. Gabe L. Tabe, the colorist who famously quit D.C. in protest of their bastardization of Superman. Gabe was a member of our little comic group that would meet at my house once a week. So was Joe. Okay, MTS. What can front page mag readers do in terms of helping this project get off the ground and to support more generally the kinds of projects a conservative readership wants to see instead of simply ceding the whole field of comics to wokeness? Oh, that's another good question. What, what can we do, right? I mean, what can we as comics fans in general do because uh, you know we should be realizing recognizing more and more what i said earlier that the, the comic books are being used as a tool against us by the woke left to make anything that we believe in and hold dear anathema right they they they, they, they want to make it so that if you are at all right-leaning at all conservative if you're christian you have no place and your viewpoint has no place in the comic books industry i mean they'll flat out say that they've said it Many times, a lot of these editors, these publishers, the hell with them, man. They, they can't have this. This is not theirs. They don't care about comics. We care about comics. The small guys care about comics. The industry legends who left what I'm sure were very lucrative positions. Look, they could have done what so many people in Hollywood did, right? A lot of these actors, um, they're actually conservative. I'm looking at you, Robert Downey Jr., but won't say anything because the money's too good. The acclaim is too good. And to publicly come out as conservative makes things very hard for you. I mean, look at what's going on with Chris Pratt. He's not even really strong about any of this stuff. I mean, I, by modern Hollywood standards, I guess he is considered conservative. But just by the little bits that he's given peaks about his faith and his conservative slight-leaning inclinations, people are trying to bury him all the time. So... It's not an easy road, but if a whole bunch of them did it, if Robert Downey Jr. did it, he's got the juice to do it, but they're, they're kowtowed. They're afraid. 
or they just love the the limelight so much that they're afraid that it'll get taken away from them. Well, these guys in the comic book industry, God bless them, didn't worry about that. So many of them left the big publishers where they could have stayed, kept their mouth shut, started writing about, you know, how Superman is bisexual or whatever garbage, you know, they want, they wanted them to write about, kept their lucrative deals, probably could have eventually gotten involved in the, the cinematic universes, made big money, but they had enough integrity to say, I don't believe in this garbage. And I'm an artist. I'm not going to succumb to this. I'm not going to be under the thumb of, of these publishers and these editors who are espousing things that are so antithetical to everything that I believe in. And they want to use my talents to push it. No. And they left. Respect. So let's see what Mike Byron says about how we can support these people. Take a look at thinbluelinecomics.com. Support independent books. There are a number of small publishers still dedicated to entertainment, including Advent, Allegiance Arts, who distribute through Walmart, Aftershock, and Dark Horse. Oh, Dark Horse. Dark Horse isn't so small, but they have been my Nexus publisher for decades and will continue to do so. Google Nexus Comics for more info. I also want to add Iconic Comics. Uh, My friends Timothy Lamb and Douglas Ernst, Mark Pellegrini. Over there at Iconic, putting out great books, Common America and Soulfinder. Really good stuff, really great quality for the books, for the prices, especially. You're getting these these beautiful hardcover books for cheap, and the contents are amazing. And these guys are certainly not certainly not leftists, certainly not SJW, and they're putting out stuff that's actually very entertaining. Uh, it's iconiccomics.com. I can't recommend them enough. And um, previous episodes of the show. On one, the first episode, I interviewed Douglas Ernst about comics and about his work. And on last episode, I spoke to Timothy Lim, creator of Common America, about his work and also about manga and all kinds of other things. It was a fun fun interview, so go back and check those out. Okay, so here's the wrapping up of the interview. So MT says, Mike, thanks for pushing to make Thin Blue Line happen. Keep up the good work. And then he said, let me add, for those readers who can't contribute financially to the crowdfunding campaign, you can still help by getting the word out on social media. And as Mike Barron reminds us by thanking a police officer or first responder for his or her service. Okay. This is a, this is a very good, concise interview. It's a great kind of pocket explanation of, of what's wrong with the comic books industry right now. Because as I said, I think a lot of people don't, don't get it. They don't understand why it's important, what's been going on. Like they hear comics game, like, I don't know, what's that? They don't understand what, what makes comic books so important in the culture war. Uh, and they very much are. I, I don't know why people don't get it especially considering how wide-reaching and impactful these comic book films have been. Now, they're starting to die down a little bit. I mean, I know people are complaining about the Disney Plus stuff, and you know, obviously we know it's all garbage, but but still, it's super prominent. It's not like it's a niche. I mean, this is the popular culture. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, even the DC movies, I mean, they, they, they do put, to some extent, butts in the seats. So whatever messages are there behind them, are getting into people's heads. And if it's kids that don't know any better, that's a problem. And if it's parents that don't know any better about what's in these books, that's a problem. I think if you know someone that doesn't understand what's going on in the comic books industry right now from the big publishers and they don't understand why it's important or to what extent leftists and social justice warriors are using them as a propaganda arm, send them this interview. Again, it's from I wasn't familiar with this, but it's from frontpagemag.com. And the article is called Holding the Thin Blue Line. It's a good short read. You can email to whatever boomer you know that, <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't get it. Um, and maybe they'll, they'll finally get some insight into what's going on. Okay, again, I'm your host, Christopher Lawrence. This is ContraCast. It's been episode four. 
Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you're listening to this on YouTube, please like and subscribe, share, and I will be eternally grateful. Thank you so much and see you next time.